Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is Vim Benders, director of a new documentary, Pope Francis, a man of his word. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Chris. You've directed a lot of documentaries in your career. How is this one different? <laughs> it was different than anything I'd ever done before, and frankly, it wasn't even my life plan uh, until one day, at the end of the first year of Pope Francis's papacy, I got a letter that arrived in my office, the fancy letter had by the Vatican, and inviting me to, if I wanted to, come over and discuss a possible film with Pope Francis. I took a deep breath and said, wow. I think I'll say yes. <laughs> no, I didn't say yes right away. I mean, I was very enticed, but I had to know what they had in mind. And I had followed Pope Francis for about a year by then and been extremely taken by his approach already I mean, my nine years of Latin paid off ten seconds before we all laid eyes on him because on the balcony of St. Peter, they said in Latin that the new pope had chosen the name of Franciscus, Francis. And I was excited. Even before I saw him, I I said, wow, this, this man has guts. Calling himself Francis is a huge sign. And... I hope he knows what he's doing. He can live up to the legacy of Francis, who, after all, is a great hero and revolutionary of mankind and the only saint that I, when I grew up, could put a name to. I mean, all other saints sort of remained anonymous, but Francis was somebody I really knew a lot about and knew what his name stood for and realized if this was the first pope who took this name, he had his work carved out for him. Yes, very much so. Is that one of the reasons why you tried to bring St. Francis, a little history of St. Francis, into this film? Well, yeah, that was one of my initial ideas. After I finally went to talk to the Vatican and realized they were very serious and I didn't have any inclination to produce this, they just wanted to instigate this and throw this idea at me, and if I liked it, I had to run with it and have have an independent production and finance it independently, and they didn't want to get involved. They would give me carte blanche and final cut and really just wanted to put the seed. And uh, that was all fantastic. And I ran with it. And, and the concept I wrote was based on my very first impression of Pope Francis, and I thought I need to link him to the figure of St. Francis and Make it, underst- make it understandable to an audience who probably don't know who St. Francis was, unless there's Catholics. And, but the rest of the world probably doesn't know much what to associate with the name of St. Francis. After all, the man lived 800 years ago. Even if he st- stood for something that's utterly contemporary, he was the first ecologist, the first to call for a radical and um, 
approached a new relation of mankind to nature and and to call for radical solidarity with poor and outcast and nothing is more urgent today than these two things i feel is that one of the reasons why you focused on the, what the pope has to say about poverty and about the environment well we did speak about lots of things i had the incredible chance of meeting pope francis and shooting filming with him four times and each time a full two hours and both totally exhausted afterwards because it was really in depth and he was he answered to each and every question he did wasn't afraid of anything and we really aborted lots of subjects but it did center around around um, climate control and the exploitation of the planet and it did center a lot about outcast and poor and the situation of refugees worldwide but it touched on many other issues just as well. Mm-hmm. Most documentary producers shoot their subjects a little from the side, looking at the interviewer who's off camera usually. Uh, but in yeah. A Man of His Word, you have Pope Francis looking directly at the camera. Why did you choose that angle, and, and how did you do that? When I imagined that I would actually be sitting face-to-face with Pope Francis, I thought this was such a privilege that I wanted to share that, and I thought hard about how to do it, and then I realized there was a way to have an interview with somebody and not appearing as a person or as a voice, but really have the interviewer take over and look at the audience so that actually everybody in the audience would share this privilege of being face-to-face with the Pope, and we shot it this way, this sort of a reverse teleprompter. So, of course, the Pope didn't see his answers. He saw my face. He saw the living question that was me on that, on the teleprompter, on this monitor in front of him. And he understood the, the task, and he was very curious, how, does, how is this, does this look for you, Vim? What do you see? And then he realized I was in the same place. I was behind the camera, and I saw a monitor with him. So, via the technology that was in between us, we were face-to-face and really had a very intimate conversation, and he went for it. And and um, we did this actually four times over the course of two years. We met four times each time for a long span of two hours. One of the things that impressed me about the film was that I really had a sense that that the Pope was having a conversation with me. Not that he was having a conversation with you, but but he was having a conversation directly with me, the viewer. That's, is that what you were after? Because that's what I tried. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It was so incredible, though, to to hear some of the things. And and I've worked in the Catholic press, so I, I I have listened to a lot of what the the Holy Father has said, not just this one, but the last two. But so we've heard some of these things before, but to hear them in his inflection and in his pace of speaking, you can tell he's really clearly thinking these things through before he gives you the answer. Is that the sense you got from from the time you spent with him, over eight hours? Yeah. He has his own rhythm, and you realize that what he says comes from the heart, and he's thinking at the moment. He was very spontaneous. He didn't refuse any question, and he was really getting into it, and some of the answers went really long, and when I transcribed them afterwards myself, because we did this in Spanish and I had to subtitle everything he said so we can edit it. My editor didn't speak Spanish. So 
I actually really wrote down everything I said into English and translated it, and and the many, the hundreds of other hours that we got from the Vatican archives of all sorts of speeches and encounters and meetings that he had with not just the American Senate or the UN, but with people all over the world, with refugees, with prisoners, with with people in hospitals. So altogether, I was I was translating and seeing him speak for hundreds of hours and mm-hmm. he really got to me and he, I, I know the rhythm of his thinking of his speaking not maybe more than anybody else because I was looking at him and listening to him for a good two years afterwards. Over that time, what's the most surprising thing you've learned about Pope Francis both while shooting and while editing that? The way he really doesn't think of himself so highly as so removed from everybody, but he's really believing and living on equality and between human people and that everybody is equal and the same. And already when he came into the room the first time and we were all scared, I tell you, and I was nervous. And then already with the first things he did, he made it clear that we understood he's one of us. He greeted each and everybody. He spent time with everybody, with every electrician, everybody on the set, not just the important people like the producer or the director, but he spent equal time with everybody. And when we finished each time, he, he did the same and said goodbye to everybody and had a word and a present for everybody. He was, he loves people so much and he's, he's, so much there and he so much invests himself into each encounter and it's not he's never an actor of himself he's truly he's truly a spiritual person and 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 most of all a courageous man i guess that from the beginning but then courage is something that you see and somebody emanates that and i even in our talks, I mean, he didn't have to be courageous to give the answers, but you sense that somebody is fearless, and and that is what impressed me most. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. We've been talking Thanks, today Chris. with Vim Vendors about his new documentary, Pope Francis, A Man of His Word. It's in theaters now. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Chris, and all the best to Baltimore. Bye-bye. Thank you. After the break, we'll talk with John Mulderig, media reviewer for Catholic News Service, to get his take on Vim Vendor's documentary about Pope Francis. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore. News from Maryland and around the world from the newsroom of the Catholic Review. The Catholic Church needs to walk with and accompany Hispanic and immigrant families, reach out to youths and young adults, and strengthen faith and leadership formation. These were the recurring themes voiced by participants of the Episcopal Region 4 Encuentro held May 19th at the Catholic University of America in Washington. As part of the National 5th Encuentro process, nearly 100 regional participants, lay and religious leaders from seven dioceses from Delaware, Maryland, the District of Columbia, Virginia, and West Virginia, gathered for the day to encounter each other and listen to the voices from parish communities and organizations within the region. The delegation from Baltimore included Archbishop William E. Laurie, 
Auxiliary Bishop Mark Brennan, and about a dozen other archdiocesan and parish leaders. Archbishop Laurie said that while it is important to prepare catechists and other leaders to be multilingual and attentive to multicultural concerns, he wanted to emphasize the importance of developing an open heart. The National Fifth Encuentro will be held in Texas in September. In sports, this season has brought some significant wins for local Catholic high school teams. Calvert Hall won its second straight Maryland Interscholastic Athletic Association A-Conference lacrosse title May 18th. The Cardinals earned that conference championship with an 8-6 victory over Boys Latin in the title game at Towson University's Johnny Unitas Stadium. This was a particularly emotional win for the Cardinals. Calvert Hall's title was the culmination of a painful journey through a season of sadness for those connected with its lacrosse program. The team lost longtime assistant coach Dave Huntley, who died suddenly last December, and that still affects the players. Then senior Peter Erlardo, one of the team's captains, lost his father, Harry, after a long illness just two days before this game. Mercy High School and the Catholic High School of Baltimore won their second straight B and C conference lacrosse titles, respectively, at Tierney Field at the U.S. Lacrosse Complex in Sparks, May 12th. On the same day, the Mount DeSales track and field team claimed its first A conference title since 2003. And the baseball team from Archbishop Curley High School completed a banner athletic year for Catholic high schools in the Archdiocese with an 8-3 win over Gilman May 21st that clinched the Maryland Interscholastic Athletic Association A conference title for the Friars. It was the first baseball title for Curley since 2001 when Friar coach Brooks Norris was one of their senior standouts. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is John Mulderig, Associate Director of Media Reviews for Catholic News Service. We're talking with him today specifically about the new documentary, Pope Francis, A Man of His Word. We're talking with John by phone from his office in New York City. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Chris. So what's your take on the film? Overall, I thought it was very well done. Vendors is an experienced filmmaker, and uh, it definitely shows. The interviews were substantive, and the visuals were well done. And So overall, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, certainly one of my favorites of his is Buena Vista Social Club. And and the record, too, I guess, the soundtrack, too. Yeah. (laughs) 
as a documentary, does it include enough about the Pope's life to really provide context for everything that they're talking about? Well, Venders has said on the record that he didn't set out to make a, a biography or a profile of uh, Pope Francis, but it rather uh, his aim was to set up an encounter between viewers and the Pope. And so having limited his scope to that, he certainly achieved it. I think he delivers the what of Pope Francis's outlook rather than the why. So one could certainly make a film about, you know, what influenced Pope Francis during his years of formation, South American culture and so forth. But Venders has been explicit about the fact that that was not part of what he was setting out to do. Do you think that the, the technique he used with the Pope looking directly at the camera and therefore directly at the viewer, do you think that was helpful? I do. I think uh, the strategy of keeping narration to a minimum and putting Pope Francis front and center in a direct um, encounter, as, as Vendor says, uh, with the viewer, I thought that was a good strategy. What do you think about the inclusion of the flashbacks to the life of St. Francis of Assisi? Does that help the viewer understand the Pope's bold decision in Vendor's terms to take the name Francis, or is that kind of a distraction? I think it wasn't bad, but Francis, St. Francis of Assisi, is one of those uh, figures that everyone projects their own ideas onto. So mm -hmm. he becomes, for some, a crypto-Protestant, and for others, a, a medieval hippie. And, of course, he was none of those things. But I think it was a legitimate choice to include a little bit of information about him. But I, I think it was rather superficial information. Of course, Enders is sort of projecting his ideas of why Pope Francis chose the name, rather than having Pope Francis himself explain. That's a good point. Is there a good balance between director interviews with the Pope? Uh, Vendor said he had four interviews of two hours each with Pope Francis. Is there a good balance between those direct interviews and the clips from the Pope's various trips since being elected to the papacy? For the most part, I think uh, it is a good balance. I used to be in TV production, and, you know, there's a great dread of the talking head. So you do have to, even if it's an interview with the Pope, you do have to break away for the sake of the viewer to something more active or, you know, not just the uh, conversation. And so I thought the inclusion of footage from the Pope's trips was another way of bringing us close to him and also kind of fleshing out sort of a one-on-one -on -one with the addition of of the Pope in the midst of his ministry. So balancing those two aspects, I thought it was well done. There are some certainly very poignant scenes of him encountering prisoners in Philadelphia, of him speaking to the, the World Meeting of Families, where he talks about sometimes there are difficulties in, in families and sometimes there are throwing plates. But there's a, there also are cutaways when he's talking about the environment and poverty of people digging through trash dumps and those are the kinds of things that uh, I think really strike some people as being very touching, very poignant. Did that help this film? I think, yes. I think the, the scene with the prisoners, uh, I particularly highlighted in my review, I thought that was the most moving moment of the, of the uh, film. And I think the, the appeal to the emotions is a good balance to the sort of idea-centered uh, conversation in the interviews. And so to show, you know, that shows another aspect uh, of the Pope's personality, not only his thoughts, but also his emotions. And, and it awakens in the viewer the, the desire to, you know, perhaps contribute to helping some of the people in need. Are there aspects of the Pope's ministry that you wish would have been included in this film that weren't? Well, it's interesting in the sense that it's a 
a fairly secular portrait. I don't remember really, um, I guess there was one scene perhaps of him giving out communion, but liturgy and prayer, I didn't think were two, or spirituality more generally, weren't really to the fore. It was more political, economic, social problems, uh, those sort of sorts of topics. Mm-hmm. And he talked about having access to hundreds of hours of Vatican archive film and obviously eight hours worth of interviews, so you kind of assume that at some point they talked about his prayer life and they talked about his spirituality, but that didn't seem to make it into the movie. Right. And that may have been calculated to some degree. Perhaps, you know, the intent was to appeal to a a not necessarily religious audience. That's a good thought. We know that this is, you know, this is not a blockbuster Deadpool's opening the same weekend that this movie opens. You know, this is not going to be competing on that level. So it'll probably be in theaters for, you know, a month and a half, maybe two, and then eventually go to, to video and television. At that point, how do you think parishes, small groups, catechism classes could use a film like this in their in their classroom situation or in their discussions? I think for an adult group, it would be quite good. In terms of a catechism class, I, I think it's not really an introduction to the faith, um, partly because of what we were just saying. It's more an introduction to Pope Francis's particular outlook on the faith or his, you know, um, the way he uh, served. So I think for a group of people who are already well-grounded in the faith, uh, this would be a very um, useful resource, uh, less so for uh, kids being you know, prepared for First Communion or something like that. Right, that might be a little bit too deep for them. Right. Just to give our listeners some perspective on, on where you're coming from, how many movies a year do you see? Oh, at least 100, I would say. Wow. So, so you've got quite a bit going on and probably have seen a lot of good and a lot of bad and a lot of ugly, right? Oh, yes. Uh, the whole range. <laughs> I would say I average maybe three films a week. And what do you look for in a good film? Well, a number of things. Uh, our reviews, uh, of course, take uh, give, give priority to spiritual and moral concerns. So I'm on the lookout for um, what is the underlying worldview of the film, uh, what values is it promoting or what values is it attacking? And then, of course, uh, we also want to indicate whether it's a, artistically uh, a well-made film or not. So balancing those two considerations, but always putting the spiritual first. Uh, but you have seemed to be able, be able to find, even in very secular movies, messages that are that are morally uplifting and spiritually strong. Is that correct? Absolutely. I would give an example. In fact, I was at the Christopher Awards last night, and one of the, re- one of the honorees uh, was the film Wonder. And I, that was pretty much my favorite film of the year. And I don't think there was a single mention of God or religion or faith, and yet it's a profoundly moral movie and sends a very uh, positive and important message. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate your perspective. We've been talking with John Mulderig, who writes media reviews for Catholic News Service, You can read John's review of Pope Francis, A Man of His Word, and all the latest movies at catholicreview.org, then scroll down to movie reviews. Thanks so much for being with us today, John. Thank you, Chris. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore.
over 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Join Catholic Review Media and the Archdiocese of Baltimore to see the Passion Play in Oberammergau, Germany, June 19th to 27th, 2020. Travel with Archbishop William E. Laurie, Father Michael Fapiano, and Father Jim Prophet on a nine-day, seven-night pilgrimage to Austria and Germany. Land-only price is projected at $3,399 per person, double occupancy. There are still a few spots remaining. Reserve your seat today by visiting archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Again, that's archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.